Welcome to the University of Adversity, where the only rules of the class is to hold your head up high and keep moving forward. Because when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And now, here's your host, Lance Ecos. This episode is brought to you by Mike Young, the Makeover Master. If you feel your business image might be costing you money, influence, power, and respect, then head over to makeovermaster.com to discover what their complete brand makeover experience is all about. Go check it out right now because everyone deserves to look their best. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of University of Adversity. I'm your host, Lance Isios. Today's guest is going to be awesome. It's straight fire. She is amazing. Such a compelling story that I'm excited to share with you. She only had a grade nine education. She was forced to move away at 17 to work in Alberta. Anybody that knows Alberta knows that it's super hard work. She had to work for years like a dog in mines, laboring, paving, everything you could think of. She was able to open up her own business by the time she was 18. She went on to do a bunch of different businesses a bunch of different investments, but she burnt out at 35 with adrenal fatigue and was forced to go down a different path. So in 2017, she decided to start on a new adventure, which has led her to change her whole life in a totally new direction and has been able to help so many people. And I'm just so excited to share this story with you. Jessica Boat, welcome to the show. Woo! Welcome. How's it going? Thank you. I'm really good. How are you, buddy? Good. So good to have you on. Um, this story could inspire so many people. It's it's just I remember the first time I heard it, I was like blown away, and I'm just so excited. So, do you mind just taking us back, filling in the gaps? Let's hear where. You're, let's hear your story. For sure. Okay. Uh, strap in. Yeah. <laughs> We're going for a ride. <laughs> um. So. My family, uh, meaning my mother and my father, my father was, uh, he was raised really, really, really poor. And um, so his whole entire life was focused on money. He had, in the early 80s, interest rates were between 18 and 25%, and he had numerous uh, residential rentals. And so he was always about being extremely frugal, putting, you know, his wants and needs aside, um, just to make sure that later on down the road, he wouldn't suffer. Um, and so he always lived very frugal, you know, had the same car for like 20 years. Um, you know, he just, that's how I was raised very conservatively. Um, my mother, on the other hand, she, um, she actually was the manager of a strip bar. So she was kind of off doing her own thing. They worked constantly absolutely constantly i lived with my grandmother my aunties my dad worked swing shift plus uh overtime on the weekends plus we were always fixing roofs and all these things um so i came from that sort of uh really hard working background uh and i'm very very grateful for that now unfortunately because they were both working and all over the place they didn't always choose the most ideal babysitters for me which put me in a lot of harm's way. So it was, uh, some of it was fun and silly and, you know, like four by four and with my uncles and some of it was really bad, really bad. And like a lot, I went through a lot of shit that little girls probably should not go through or even be told about. Um, but anyways, that's what happened. That sent me on a bit of a downward spiral. Once I became a teenager, when you add hormones, uh, lack of parenting, um, and then, of course, all these deep 
deep, deep seated, uh, traumatic experiences. It was just an absolute fucking nightmare. It was, and I thought I was crazy. I thought I was done for all those hopes and dreams that I had as a child. I was like, there's no possible way I can do this. Cause all I want is booze and drugs and like, just get, take the pain away. And so I, I, I was constantly, I just went farther down and down and down and I was given an opportunity. I quit school. I was like, I can't do this. I went to work. Um, I was working two jobs by the time I was 15 years old. I'd work uh, day and night. Um, and then, I mean, I didn't make much money because they were both little part-time jobs. But um, I was given an opportunity to move to uh, Grand Prairie, Alberta with a girlfriend of mine at 17. And I was like, okay. So I literally took my like cardboard box of belongings and off I went. And um, I was never... I was always accused of, cause I was bad, like really bad. Like I fucking drank and did tons and tons and tons of drugs. And I was always accused of being like really promiscuous and maybe like sleeping with people to stay with them. And that was never me ever, ever, ever. I always had way too much pride, but of course it always seemed like that because I was a runaway. I refused to go home. I didn't have a home. Um, and so I was always accused of that. And of course, so once I went to Alberta, um, most people kind of assumed that that's what was going to happen. And it, it, it didn't, I had to really even grow up next level from there. And, um, I was on my own. I actually was managing a, a Pana, Panago, which that back then was called Panagopolis. Um, so that was, I was 17 and then I started slinging, uh, in the bar. I started uh, on a beer tub, making really good money doing that. But again, I was only 17. I wasn't even legal. Uh, then they caught wind of that and I got canned. Uh, <laughs> but in the meantime, I had met, um, there was a woman that was selling like teddy bears and roses um, in the bar. And I was like, oh, I could totally do that. So anyways, when I got canned from the, from the bar for being underage working, I, um, I went and talked to this woman and I actually, now this is kind of a key, <laughs> a key thing for people to understand. This was the, the, the first time that I really understood how to do the things that you want to do. So I knew I wasn't going to work for her. I knew I was going to go learn from her and then I was going to go and take her contracts. I knew that, right? And I knew that at 18. And people don't seem to think that they need to duplicate things, but you do. Everybody wants to do things on their own. And I learned that at a very early age. Now, I didn't feel like I was being super greasy about it. And I didn't even really know, like I didn't go into the, uh, into the job thinking I was going to steal everything from her. But I was really excited to learn something new because at that point I had not even seen that. I didn't even know that was a thing. Um, and I knew that the margins were really good, et cetera, et cetera. Just by looking at it, I was like, Oh, I like this. And so anyways, I went and worked for her and then she got really pretty nasty with me. And then, so yeah, I basically went in, I bought a business license for 120 bucks and I started cranking out teddy bears and roses in the middle of an oil boom. Uh, and so I would sell a basket for 500 bucks, a thousand bucks, whatever I felt like quoting it, depending on how busy the bar was. And that was it. That was my night. See ya. I made thousands and thousands of dollars. Um, and so that, that put me on, um, a path of entrepreneurship. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> that was, yeah. that was, that was the main, um, probably the main turning point where I really understood that I could create anything and that I really, if I just went and learned something, I could create something out of nothing. 
if I just learned, if I just paid attention, because by not going to school and by having minimum wage jobs, I knew I was always capable of, of doing great things. Like I had these amazing aspirations as a child, but like I said, I had so much trauma and, you know, really no support system. And it was, it was just all of these things piled one on top of another. And I think a lot of people, probably a lot of your listeners, whether they're male or female can really identify with that. And I really went through my adolescent years believing that there's no fucking way I'm going to have the golf course house and the Cadillacs. And I actually wanted a strip bar. That's actually what one of the things that I wanted. Um, I wanted a nightclub just because it seemed super cool. Mom loved it. Um, I, I really believed that there was not, there was no way I could do that. But once I kind of started coming out of that, um, when I was a, a young adult, I really realized that I could do it. I can create something out of nothing. Now, it, it didn't get fucking rainbowy and sunshiny from there. It actually kind of got worse. <laughs> but that was my first, my first kind of dial in of like, oh, wait a minute, you do have something special. So I carried on my life. My mom actually um, got really sick in 2000 and actually I think it was 2000. And so I ended up moving back to my hometown and um, she had cancer. She had stage four. She had like 5% chance of living or something like that. And she did. So she is still alive and still in remission. So um, I moved back to my hometown and um, I actually met my husband there. And it's funny. I was, I was paving. I was on a piece of equipment and I, I seen him drive by and I'd never seen him before and it's a small town. So he definitely stuck out like a sore thumb and something in my head. And this is crazy. And I've got a couple of these stories, but the voice in my head said, that's who you're going to be with. And I was like, I got voices in my fucking head. <laughs> I'm like, what? No shit. And so I started to see him. He was uh, hanging out with uh, uh, the same circle of friends, um, which I, that's kind of what happened. I went back to the old circle, right? So um, needless to say, he was um, a bit of uh, society's finest, bit of a gangsta. And, um, you know, I wasn't, a, there was nothing that appealed to that, um, like to me about that lifestyle. There was nothing appealing to that, but I really, I fell in love with him. That was what happened. And it is what it is, but he had a lot of problems. And um, we eventually got married in 2005. And then I moved him to another community because I thought, well, maybe if I moved him, because he had a lot of drug abuse problems. And I didn't at that time. I kind of was like, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I've dabbled. I don't want to go back down that road. Um, and so anyways, I would have to take him uh, in and out of, um, uh, you know, treatment facilities, detoxing constantly. And so I, I, we moved away and that helped a little bit for the first time in our relationship. He actually went and got an actual job. And so he was pipelining, but he still had these kind of tendencies and, and habits. So that wasn't really working out. Um, and then in 2007, um, I was managing a Bell Mobility store and I was kicking ass. Like I was like top between top one, two and three in Canada. And I was winning trips and winning TVs and like, I was just killing it. And uh, so my little career was going along quite nicely. And one morning he, um, I got up, 
to go to work in the morning and um, he was still up and he was like doing drugs and like just a disaster. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like just, I can't. And I slapped him and um, I was like, I, I just can't, like, I, I can't deal with you anymore. Like I feel good and I need to move on with my life. Like, and I slapped him and I went upstairs and I left for work. And when I came home, um, I, well, no, sorry. I left for work and then I, I grabbed my phone and it wasn't in my purse. And so I had to go back to get my phone. And when I did, I, um, I came in the house and I could hear something downstairs. I could hear choking and I knew exactly what was going on. And so I went downstairs and he'd hung himself and I, it was awful. Oh, fuck. And it's still like, this is shakes me. Oh my God. And he, um, I had to, uh, uh, actually cut him down. I had to cut him down and I had been a medic before. So I had to, um, give him a couple, couple compressions and a couple breaths and he was okay. Um, but it really fucked me up. I was in, I was finally in a really good space and I ended up with severe PTSD, um, to the point where, oh my goodness. Like I just, I actually sat in a chair and just rocked. Like you see on like horror films when people are in asylums, I did that for three weeks. I was fucked. It was awful. And so, uh, anyways, I, I was done at that point in my relationship, but I was terrified if he was out of my sight that he was going to kill himself. And so I had, it, it was just awful. And I got to the point where about a year and a half later, I was like, I can't do this anymore. And I had to like completely block him out of my life. Um, and I moved and I didn't give him my phone number. I didn't give him my address. It was the hardest thing I ever had to do because I really, really, really loved him. Um, but I had to do it for my own, um, sanity quite literally. And it was the best thing I ever did. It 100% was, and I still 10 years later still have this little glimmer of, of guilt. Like the, what if, what if, what if, I mean, I feel like I could have helped him because he's still not in a good place. Right. Um, and so <laughs> that's, you know, that's, that was the major, major turning point. <laughs> wow. Wow. So that's, uh, that's incredible. Um, I didn't even, I didn't know that part. Um, that was a, that was a shocker even for me the first time to hear that. So that tell us like, obviously that would have done damage. Like, how did you move on from that? Like, I mean, what did you, what was your next step on getting through that? Because I mean, I personally lost my younger brother to suicide and the fact that you were able to save him from that and to kind of give him a second chance, like how did you guys, like what direction happened after that? I mean, like, were you able to, um, and obviously you were in a lot of pain, but you know, did you obviously had to grow from that as well? Like what direction did you go after that? Okay. Well, yeah, like I said, I, I knew that afternoon that the relationship was done because I knew that this was going to continue to happen. My heart knew that, not this. However, I was destroyed. I was literally completely 100% broken down to nothing, like nothing. I was terrified of everything. I was terrified. And he, he didn't even, like, even when he came to, he didn't even know what happened. And that was the worst part because to him it didn't even happen. And so, you know, moving on, you know, he just didn't even realize that it was even a thing. 
and he had no idea that, you know, like how he, he didn't take into consideration how fucked up I was at all. And so I, I, I ultimately took him to, um, the hospital where he was, um, put away for a bit. Uh, and of course he kind of manipulated his way out of that a couple of days later, but I was just a disaster. Like I was on 24 seven watch because they didn't even know what was going on in my mind because I was literally mute and just fucking rocking. I was just a disaster. And then from there, like I said, I knew that I had to grow. I did see an amazing, uh, counselor. Um, I'm not a huge, I don't recommend counselors that often, but this human was amazing and it was exactly who I needed at the time. And he, he would constantly reassure me that it was okay. Um, that it was okay to feel like I want to go because it's gotten to that point that there's so much danger and, um, I just wasn't safe. And so I, I eventually left him. And like I said, that was really hard. It was tough on me. It took me about a year and a half after that, um, because I was, tortured by the fact that he was going to hurt himself. But what I didn't realize is that no matter how, where I went, I was still going to be tortured by the fact that he was going to hurt himself. So when I moved away, I wasn't, this is quite an interesting story when you want to talk about manifestation. So the day that I moved, I, um, my house was like in shambles. And when I say shambles, he just wasn't much of a handyman. And so I was packing up and I said to my dad, I was like, Oh my God, the next guy I date is going to be a carpenter. Like I, I this is crazy to me. And anyways, so then I moved home and of course my friends were trying to uh, hook me up with, you know, people, different people to date. And I was not into it at all. It was a disaster. And, but I didn't want to go down there. I had a brave face. I didn't want to go down that road ever. Right. So I just kind of would be like, no, no. Um, and I said, I'm only dating people with blue eyes. And my girlfriend was like, oh, how fucking pretentious of you. And I said, how about one blue and one green? And guess what walked into my life two weeks later? A carpenter with a blue eye and a green eye. And um, to be quite honest, it was him, Lance. It was him that I had no intentions of dating anybody, but it was him. It was just like, he was the only thing that got me past it and through it. It's just like, if he was 10 minutes late for dinner, I would start shaking because I had such wicked PTSD. But yeah, it was definitely him that kept me grounded. It was another soul. So when that happened, did you go down, did you start drinking more and doing drugs? Cause usually a lot of people will in that circumstance will self-destruct, yeah. right? Yeah, no, I actually went opposite. Oh, so you I did? Actually yeah. Got, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's usually it. People, people either go one way or the other. Right. And it sounds like even though that was super, super hard for you to go through, it made you so strong to, and then it actually brought you to your next, you know, to the next thing that was meant to happen for you. So totally, man, that's crazy. So, okay. You're obviously, you know, you've been through a lot, a lot of different struggles, a lot of different things now, and you've been super successful in whatever you've sort of done. Like you can communicate so well, I can tell you got a strong personality, but you know, after that you met this new, this new person, you know, tell, tell us about the kind of things that, that he ins helped you and helped you to move on. Like with, as far as getting over limited beliefs and a little, like, especially going through having to do something like that with someone that you care about, how did he have an impact in your life? Like what direction did he send you on? For sure. So, um, you know, he had his own issues as well. Um, because I think we always attract 
whatever vibration we're on, we kind of always attract the same people that are on that vibration. Um, However, we really did help each other. So um, like my dreams as a little kid was I wanted a house on the golf course. I wanted a strip bar and I wanted a Cadillac. I didn't even remember any of that until I had it all. So from the time I met him to 18 months, we created that like that. Wow. No money down, no nothing. Like I didn't have to do anything. He's a carpenter, so he actually renovated a bar. We only leased it, um, but I convinced somebody to lease it to me with no money. With <laughs> I had no money, no business experience really. Um, I had uh, yeah, and let let me renovate their bar as well. So I did all of these things, um, basically just using my sales skills. And then we negotiated a smoking deal on a lot and um and built a house and so those it was it was those sort of things the mechanical things we just weren't really meshing like mentally and emotionally so we actually we did we broke up so we broke up um for about two and a half years we are back together now we have been for about a year and a half um and it's still been a little bit rocky but i'm not super fucking easy to get along with and i can admit that um and and it's a, it's about growing though and and he did help me to feel grounded and somewhat comfortable but he had a lot of his own issues and i had a lot of my own issues and so when we did decide to part ways after about i think it was about 6 years um oh and two kids <laughs> Don't forget the kiddos. Um, when we did decide to part ways, it, we really both truly believed that it wasn't that we weren't supposed to be together. It's that we just had so much hurt inside of us that we needed to grow and we couldn't do it together because what was happening was we had trusted and loved each other enough to bring all this stuff to the surface and then we had no fucking idea how to like get rid of it. So then we just took it out on each other. Right. right. And so like both of us would constantly have these like repressed memories coming up, coming up, coming up. And we all know when something's annoying you or upsetting you or whatever, you blast it for whoever's in front of you, usually your loved ones. And so we were getting nowhere and it was getting more toxic and more toxic and more toxic. And I just, I couldn't live like that anymore. I literally packed my kids up. I left my, we had uh, rentals, we had the strip bar, we had a construction company. And then of course the, the executive, the house. And I literally like packed my kids up and left. I left everything. I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like I seriously feel like I'm going to get a homicide charge from either my business partner or my, my husband. <laughs> I was like, I can't take this anymore. And that's when I really started to grow because I was growing Lance prior to, I was going to different seminars, doing different energy works. Um, you know, going to the gym three to four hours a day, I really was digging into me. But then when I was like, my external world was toxic and chaotic. And so I couldn't live in this nice bubble that I was making for myself where it was peaceful and I was meditating and I was eating right. And I was thinking positive and, and, and then I would step into my uh, external world and it was awful. So I packed up and I moved to Kelowna. And when I got to Kelowna, it's when I really, that's the first time that I really realized that, holy fuck, am I fucked up? <laughs> it's just been one roller coaster after another roller coaster after another. Like it was, I was just like, whoa. And I didn't do anything 
for six months. So I would take my kids to school in the morning. I would go, I would run down uh, on the water in West Kelowna. It's a beautiful run. It's about a 5k um, from one end to the other. And um, yeah, I would do that every morning. I would go home. I'd have a shake of some sort and I'd go to the gym and I'd go pick my kids up and then I'd hang out with my kids. I did that every day consistently for six months because that's all I was capable of. And during that time, was the time that I had to spend with myself. And for people out there that are probably listening and going, fuck, must be nice, six months. I, I didn't have the money to do it. I just did it. I just made it happen. I made it happen. I had to get extra credit cards. I had to, it was what it was. I, I just had to do it. You know, it put me in a lot of debt because I have big bills, um, but I had to do it. And from then on, everything has really started to slowly level up. I mean, there's going to be peaks and valleys and, and a roller coaster really isn't even a bad thing because there's a beginning and an end, right? Just like our lives. And, and that's the best way to explain your life is going to be a roller coaster. But I always say, I kind of use this analogy of that tilt-a-whirl. Nobody wants to feel like that. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know where you're getting on. You don't know where you're getting off. And you're like, holy fuck, right? Like, yeah, that's, it's so true. And, and that's, that's what you have to learn to enjoy too. You have to learn to enjoy that, the bumpy road because it's like when you're traveling, it's like anything. It's like that's, that's the journey that you got to embrace because the, the goals that you have, once you're there, you're like, well, what's next? And it's like everything that's in between. And that's so true. And I wanted to go back to what you were saying about how, you know, when you're doing all the inner work, but the outside world doesn't really align it's so true because you can be doing all that, but then you go and if you're associating with toxic people doing things that you hate, it doesn't make any sense. And all it does is make you more miserable. So for you to be able to realize that and to be able to say like, fuck, like I'm not aligned with this life anymore. You, I may, you may have been before and then you had to really like, you had to relocate. You had to like surround yourself by different people so that everything started to line up. And that totally makes sense. And a lot of people who have gone through spiritual awakenings or journeys or anything really can probably relate that you have to change your, your out, your external environment in order to, you know, so that it, it can be congruent with your internal environment. Right. So um, definitely, definitely can relate with you on that. So, okay. You have, you have had, a, let's, let's, let's paint this picture for people. So you've gone through a lot of shit, you know, you had businesses, you've been successful, you know, you've had, you've had, you started, you had a family that didn't work out. Like you have beautiful kids now. You're obviously a business woman. You got that entrepreneurial drive, but you came across some things that weren't aligned with your new, new self that you're working on. So let's, let's take us from, you know, you ran, you got adrenal fatigue, you know, you were, you were looking for options. You're, you're trying to find your new path. And in 2017, you found something else. Tell us about that, that transition into that and how much different you are and how much you've grown since you were burnt out and going through those other, you know, challenges that you're facing. For sure. Absolutely. Um, because like I said, every, every time I had a little bit of a crash, it, it was, it was just a little bit, you were, I was in a little bit better place though. You know what I mean? And, and I learned so many tools that, you know, now to, I'm to the point now where if I'm pissed off, like I'm reactionary, I'm very fucking reactionary. I always going to be that way that it's my personality, but I can catch myself. If, I'm, if somebody cuts me off in traffic, 
I will be like, fuck, <laughs> right? Yeah. But I stop immediately. That's it. It's over. It's done with. It's left there way back by that sign, you know? And so that stuff's really important. Really, really, really important to learn that once you, you know, you keep going down a little bit, you don't go down as far as you used to. Is I guess the point that I'm making. So when, um, uh, when I, when I was in Kelowna, I went back to work and I was in sales and marketing. I was, uh, working for uh, a radio station selling, uh, radio ads and I quite enjoyed it. I really liked the team that I was working with. Um, however, I wasn't a big fan of getting to work on time and dropping my kid off in the morning at school before the school doors were even open for 10 minutes. Like it was just kind of too much for me. Not to mention I was in a cubicle, like with no windows. And I was like, this is not my thing. So I lasted about six months and, um, I totally okay to quit. Like even when we did the interview, he was like, I don't know if you're going to like it. I'm like, I don't know either, but let's try it out. So I did, I tried it out and it wasn't necessarily for me. And during that time I had been, uh, pitched, by a girlfriend of mine about a business opportunity uh kind of in the marketing space she's a marketer as well or sorry an advertiser as well and um or an advertising consultant i guess is what you would call her um anyways she does uh print and, and web stuff so she pitched me and i was like oh i really like it but i don't have time and whatever i made all these excuses but it was kind of always in the back of my mind and so anyways i had quit my um radio advertising career again because i had done it uh, in 2006 or seven for a little while um and uh I, I kind of was stuck. I didn't really know what to do. So I reached out to a friend of mine who owns a couple different businesses. We vibed together really well. Um, ultimately, I decided to open a pub in Fernie, British Columbia, which is a ski town. It's a resort town. And so I had spent money on, I spent about 10 grand on uh, like engineer drawings and licenses and, you know, just the, the preliminary shit moving forward. And I had two business partners. Now I didn't have anything in writing because I don't, writing doesn't mean shit anyways, unless you're going to sue them. And I don't want to go down that road. So it doesn't really mean anything to me. So anyways, uh, I didn't have anything in writing. I packed up my kids and I moved them 13 hours away from any of their family. And so they were pretty miserable about that. Uh, and they made it very known um, because at this time I was not with their father as well. Uh, so it was just me and I got down there and both my business partners bailed. And so I, uh, here I was like, fuck man, are you kidding me? And this actually was probably the darkest time of my adult life because here I had, I think I had like 58 grand in my bank account. I had money and, um, I had assets and I had my health. I was in the best shape of my life. You know, I had my kids, I, I was happy, I was healthy, but I got hit so hard by believing and trusting in partners. And it's just, I just was like, fuck, I'm such a victim. Like, why does this keep happening to me? And so I made the conscious decision um, for about three weeks. I just felt sorry for myself. Every single day I felt sorry for myself and I had this conscious um, kind of conversation in my head saying like, but you are a victim and your last business partner fucked you around and your ex-husband fucked you around. And then your last ex-partner fucked you around. And now these guys, right. And I'm like, and, and it's true. <laughs> and they all admit it now. 
you know, all these people. And I just, I was just in this really, really, really rough run. Now I had all the tools in my toolbox though. I knew that I was consciously making the decision to be a victim, which was making my next day, next week worse. I knew that. I knew that all of the things that I was doing was making it worse. And I was consciously doing that. Uh, and I knew it. So having those tools in my tool bag didn't really mean fuck all if I wasn't taking the actionable steps. And so I woke up in the middle of the night because I wasn't sleeping. I was sleeping like shit. I woke up in the middle of the night one night and I was like, what the fuck do you want? Like, what do you want? Like, what, what, what are you doing? This is ridiculous. Like, what do you want? And then I remembered somebody that I had seen on um, social media. Um, and I knew him from my club anyways, uh, his name's Aaron Fraser. And, um, anyways, so I reached out to him and then I had a phone meeting with him about two days later and he was like trying to sell me and I'm like, I don't give a shit what you're doing. I'll do it. If you can do it, I'll do it. Just tell me how much it is. And so, um, he really dug in and started talking about, he must've uh, loved that. He must've loved that. You were just like, fuck, let's do this. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't happen very often. No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so then he was like, uh, he was talking a lot about self development. Yeah. And that got me really jazzed up because I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I know. I know all this stuff because I spent tens of thousands of dollars going to all these different retreats. Um, you know, I've been to Tony Robbins. I've done uh, energy work. I've done, um, oh my God, like you name it. I've done it. I have. Um, different, all sorts of different things. The only thing I haven't dove into yet is yoga, but I will. Um, anyways, I, I, I was really jazzed up about that. And what I really have figured out and what I've found out just even over the last like 18 months is that when I moved to Fernie, so I, I did a lot of healing in Kelowna, right? That was my first kind of escape. I did a lot of healing, but I didn't find I had a community. And so in Fernie, I was visiting a lot and I was having a lot of fun and I felt like I had community there. And I remember saying that quite often that I was really excited to move to a community that I have a community, right? Like I have my tribe there. And so I didn't even realize that until about a, you know, a year ago, so six months after the fact. But what I was really longing for when I woke up in the middle of the night was community because I was lonely and I was sad and I was suicidal and it was fucking dark, man. Like it was really, really, really dark. I was all alone and everyone I knew was pissed off at me or not talking to me. Family was pissed off because I took the kids far away from them. And then everybody else was my, they were my business partners at one point and they, they were idiots and they hurt me. So they didn't want to talk to me. Right. Uh, so it was just kind of, it was this really, really dark spot. And then once I started moving forward, um, with the new opportunity, right. Um, I started, uh, basically a course on online marketing. I jumped into that and it wasn't just the course itself. The course is great. Like learning a new skill was amazing. Cause that's what I like to do is constantly be learning, learning and duplicate, learning and duplicate. Right. Um, but it was, it was the accountability and the community that really got me jazzed up. And I was like, I was like, this is pretty cool. So Aaron actually reached out and said, Hey, I know this is short notice, but, um, we're having an event in Vancouver. Um, and if you want, I could look it's sold out, but I could find a ticket for you if you'd like. And so anyways, I was like, sure. And it was only like two weeks. So 
anyways, I headed out to this event and I didn't, I hadn't even really started. I didn't even finish the training. I had no idea who owned the company. I didn't know anything, but I thought what a great way to introduce myself to the company. So I headed out to Vancouver, which was like a 12 hour drive or something like that. I uh, dropped my kids off with their dad here in Kelowna and um, headed to Vancouver. So anyways, we're in Simon Fraser. If anyone's ever been up there, the university, it's massive and it's not easy to navigate. Um, so while driving around and walking around and I run into uh, um, Brian Hodgson's mom, Wendy, and uh, her husband, I can't remember his name, but anyways, I ran into them and we're trying to find it, trying to find it. So there's three of us. By the time we find the venue, there's 60 of us, right? We're like, <laughs> we're like Mercury <laughs> because nobody could find it, right? Because it was in this cool auditorium. But anyways, it was really interesting. And, and most people that I was walking with were like, oh my God, I really want to have a cigarette. We should stop and have a smoke. We don't want to smoke in front of these people and da, 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 all these things, right? No, I, I don't want to have a vape in, in, front, of, um, in front of all the, the people in the venue, right? Uh, or the owners of the company. Anyways, we come around the corner and there's like a 200 person smoke pit. And I was <laughs> not that smoking's good for you. However, I was like, oh, that was my first kind of inclination that people are probably a lot like me. Um, and so then once I moved into the auditorium, I looked around and I was like, I will guarantee you 85% of these people have sold a steroid or a doobie before. Like, and not because they look like it, just because I could tell they were fucking entrepreneurs. Yeah. Right. And that was that for me, I was like, I was sold. I was like, okay, so I found my community. I found my tribe. I'm learning something new I have these accountability partners that, you know, that I've met in the community. I mean, one's in Calgary. One's in, uh, lives in um, Costa Rica right now. There's so, like, I have people all, all over the world, lots of people in Australia that I talk to daily, yeah. right? Well, I met you in Vegas, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Through the community. And it's all about, you know, really building those, that community and that tribe. Like, and that's how I'm always accountable for myself now is because I feel like I have to show up for so many other people. And when you don't have that community and you don't have that tribe, you don't feel like you are accountable to anybody, even if it is your own family and you love your family, but you still don't feel necessarily that you have to be accountable and you have to get up and you have to show up and you've got to, you know, put on your, your, your best self to show up and be accountable and help grow with other people, whether it's growing with businesses, whether it's growing um, with any sort of um, personal development that's the key for me is I really work with people with personal development because I've been, I mean, I, you know, statistically speaking, I should be on the East end of Vancouver. Right. And I'm not. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, yeah, this is, this is why I love your story. You know why? Because anybody listening can understand that you've done a lot of different things. You've done all kinds of different sales. You've had businesses now, and now you've joined this online marketing we both done it. You've been super successful. It's obviously there's something that's attractive about this compared to what else you've done. Now, would you say that this style of business that, that you're doing and I'm doing and a lot of people, what do you think that it's because of the community factor that has made it more attractive? What other things other than having your own businesses in the past and other adventures, what else made this 
what it is. I know we talked about personal development, um, accountability, but as far as, you know, staying motivated and staying inspired, would you say that the community having that to, um, the, the different people to reach out to daily would have, has had the biggest impact on you in being successful? Absolutely. 100%. And I, and I, I believe like I talking about having the tools in your toolbox, being able to have those tools in your toolbox is awesome. But if you can't use them in actionable steps, then it's not going to work for you. And with, with this sort of thing, um, with any sort of trauma or emotions or self-limiting beliefs or any of the bullshit, really, if you don't have somebody that you can reach out to, because if I want an answer or if I'm having a bad shitty day and I'm thinking about blah, 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 I know that there's somebody in the community that I can reach out to. And it's not going to be the same person every time. Right. And it's, I, I totally, like, I'm not religious by any means whatsoever. And I always was like, why the fuck would anybody join a church? Like, I, you know, and I'm not ignorant. I just didn't really, I didn't really understand it, but I get it now. Even the people going through the 12 steps, why they want that higher power and that community is because it keeps you fucking accountable to yourself. I mean, just because I'm successful um, and I live in abundance and I probably have a, you know, a dream life for most people, right? I'm on that higher end of the, of the, um, what would you call that? Middle class, I guess. I'm kind of on the higher end of the middle class. And so that's kind of a dream for a ton of people, the majority of people. However, I go through fucking tons of head game shit all the time and I got to shake it off. And a lot of times it could be just as simple as reaching out to, they, they could be in Australia. They could be in South Africa. I got friends everywhere. Half of them I've never even fucking met before. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that because it's so true because it's not always, you know, rainbows and butterflies every day. And that's why I love this is because this isn't like, oh, I, I, I'm an entrepreneur now. It's all easy and everything's perfect. It's like, no, that shit's going to happen every single day. And you're going to go through that. But, you know, how low are you going to let yourself go? You know, how, how much are you going to understand that, okay, this is happening for me, not to me, right? And we, we disempower ourselves so many times because we think these things are happening and we, go, we start to feel sorry for ourselves. And I, I did it for so many years too. I still, I still do it daily if I'm not revisiting daily on reinforcing that, right? Because you have to do it daily. And that's why communities like this, being accountable, constantly having mentorship and all that kind of stuff is so important. And I just, I love it because those problems are never going to go away. They're always going to be here. And when you can accept that that is part of it, you just get better at dealing with the problems because they become almost like, you know, like I've said, I've heard somebody say before, if there's no dragons to slay, how are you ever going to, you know, how are you ever going to enjoy getting to getting to the kingdom or getting to the goal <laughs> wherever you want to go, right? Yeah. It's like if we just floated around with nothing, with no challenges or anything in our day-to-day -day lives, we complain about that. Right. Oh, totally. And it feels so good to overcome something, especially when you've gone through a lot of shit. So I, I, I love that. And I, I, your story is, is super powerful. And, um, so now, okay, you're obviously, you're still learning. You're in, you're in this amazing business and you're, you're doing well. Like, where do you, what's going on in the next little while? Where do you, what do you see yourself? What, what do you see happening with the online space? You know, how important is it for people to pay attention to this and you know, how can they 
how can they kind of learn kind of what you've learned? For sure. So um, Black Friday did $6.22 billion in sales. That was one day. That's crazy. Yeah, that's that's online sales. And and so when you look at Amazon, which they do uh, 2017, their stats were $22 million per day. And, um, that being said, you know, I think it's like 75 or 80% of that is affiliate. So it's people like you and me and Joe down the street that don't have to house any products or anything. Like they don't have a garage full of shit. They just are the middleman, right? So they pay for the marketing dollar dollars and then the company just ships the, the product. And so, um, if you don't even know what that is, you're fucking like 20 years behind. So, and and trust me, I I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm going to learn this shit. And honestly, it's not hard. It really isn't. I mean, like the system that we have is amazing. There's so much information out there and there's a lot of bullshit and you got to kind of sift through it because I did for years sifting through it because I needed something that was more congruent with my family. That was one of the biggest reasons why I didn't go ahead with the pub is because I had the money to do it. It wasn't the money. What the fuck was I supposed to do with my kids for 18 hours a day? Yeah. That was a hard decision, especially when my top core value is business. My family always has come second. I can't help it. That's the way it is. That's life. That's something else that I've beaten myself up about for years is that my family has never come above my, my business. And so that's another thing, being surrounded by other hungry entrepreneurs um, and getting to meet all these people, I've finally been able to let that go because I'm meeting and hanging out and masterminding with other like-minded human beings. It's not because we don't love our families. It's because we love our families more than anything in the whole world. That's why we care about business so much is to make sure that we provide for them. But that was a self-limiting belief that I carried for a long time. Right. And so again, it loops back around to community. Um, and you know, the next steps for us, really are well we're going on vacation for three weeks that's super exciting we leave for disneyland yeah on thursday i'm really pumped up about that like for me i've got a pretty great little mapped out plan i'm going to an ayahuasca retreat um at the end of january yeah so i'm really really excited about that um we might want to do a podcast (laughs) oh my god i was just gonna say like that's a whole other conversation i'd love to talk about Oh, that, oh, that keeps popping up everywhere. Like I keep hearing, like I listening to Aubrey Marcus quite a bit. He talks about it and oh man, that's yes. That's another conversation for sure. So are you doing that? What else? Um, okay. Yeah. So we're doing Disney. Um, yeah, we're doing Disney on Thursday. We're gone for three weeks. Then um, we've got Cam and Alana, Cameron George. If anybody doesn't know him, look him up. He is uh, the king of, of what I do. He's one of my mentors. Um, they're having a baby, so I'm doing their baby shower here in Kelowna. So we're going to do that. And then at the end of the month, then I've got uh, an ayahuasca retreat. Now, I've really been focusing all of December's energy into um, really – manifestation, goal building, that sort of stuff. So I have some really good clean intention when I head into uh, whatever fucking worlds I'm going to. <laughs> oh, shit is going to get crazy because that, that will highlight so many things for you. And that that is truly going to change your life. And I, uh, I admire anybody that 
is has the courage because I've had, I've heard some stories, good and bad. I mean, it's, you just need to be ready. And I don't know if there's ever a perfect time for it, but you'll learn a lot and it's, uh, yeah, that's crazy. So that's exciting for you. Yeah. Well, I've got a friend of mine. I've actually heard this a couple of times and it's pretty true, I guess, but it doesn't scare me right now. So that's good because I've, I've thought about this for the last couple of years and because it's not scaring me, I feel like it's the right time. Yeah. Um, but you know, they say like, it's not if you go to hell and it, in ayahuasca you do right you go there and back it's just learning how to let go and i think that's going to be a really big turning point for me because i believe that i'm so close i'm so close to having absolutely everything i've ever desired in this wonderful peaceful realm of a life i really know that i'm so 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 close and there's just something and i I feel like that's going to be the next the next step for me to be able to identify it. Um, like I meditate, I, I'm very intuitive. I can kind of tell usually what's going on all around me. Um, but right now I've been, I kind of made this up a few weeks ago and it's, and, and I have to keep saying it to myself, but I also use it uh, when I'm working with clients, but is choose your fear, right? You have to choose your fear. So you're either going to be fearful of your staying the way you are and not growing Right. And for some people that's like fucking broke and sick and like been there, done that. Right. I know what you're feeling. Um, but it's, you know, stay the fear of staying where you're at or the fear of what's to come and that you don't know because the, nobody's painted the picture. You haven't painted your own picture yet or created it in your own mind. So you have to choose your fear. You're either going to stay where you're at and be scared that you're always going to stay here, or you're going to move forward and be uncomfortable and a little bit fearful of what's around the corner. Because like you said, you're looking for those dragons to slay. You really are. Yeah. That's a, yeah, it's so true. It's all positioning in your mind, you know, like, come on, bring it, bring it to me. Let's go, you know? And you know, you'll have days where you'll be like, oh, please don't let anything happen. And you won't be ready. And then that's when shit gets thrown in your face. And there's days where you feel so good. You're like, come on. You're like, oh, this is so easy. <laughs> you know, totally. it's, it's crazy. Like, uh, yeah, you know what I love is that this is the thing. A lot of times people have this personal development and spiritual sort of thing. And they feel like they have to be some sort of guru, meditation guru. And it's not that. And that's why I, I love this conversation with you is because you're so raw and real and but you still practice that spiritual practice and you're getting better, but you realize that you're not perfect and you're going to keep making mistakes. And that's just the way it is. And that's why people that listen to this understand that you don't have to be somebody, you know, you don't have to be some like religious guru or anything to practice this stuff. You literally just need to be open-minded and be able to let go and to be able to just work with yourself and understand that it's okay. And you're going to make mistakes and, you don't, you know, you don't have to be anything special in order to practice this stuff. And the more you realize that you are going to make mistakes, the better. And you're just going to have to, you're just going to get better as you go, as you go at becoming, you know, the best version of yourself. So, um, yeah, super powerful, Jess. Now, I got a couple more questions for you before we, uh, before we end it. Um, first of all, I want to make sure that we don't miss this. Where can everybody find you? Uh, you know, where can they learn about you? Where can they find you? And, and uh, yeah, basically give us the deets on that. The deets. <laughs> um, I use Facebook as my main platform. 
I'm not a big emailer. Um, Facebook is my main, main, main platform. Uh, Jessica G boat, B O A T E, just like the floaty thing. Um, that is my page. You can message me on there. I don't typically mess with anything else. I don't have time for it. I don't want to learn it. And that's where I'm at right now with that. Um, I know my demographic is there, so I'm just going to save myself a lot of time. <laughs> um, the other way I prefer, I'm very, very old school, so you are more than welcome to call me up. I'll even give you my phone number. It is 1-250-983-6272. You're more than welcome to call me. If I don't answer, just call back. Don't leave me a voicemail because I ain't going to answer it. <laughs> Just an open book. I love it. And that's old school. And you can tell because you have that, you have that, uh, you can communicate so well. Would you say that's your best you. skill? Would you say your communication is your best? Because for me, looking at you and hearing you speak, I mean, I'd buy whatever the hell you're selling me. Like, honestly, <laughs> what would, I mean, yeah, I do communicate well. And it is a bit much for some people. And I think, uh, for me, it's way more, it's way more important for me to either get on the phone or get on a face to face. Um, because my tone and because I am very direct is really misinterpreted when I'm texting. And then I don't even care. I'm like, I don't fucking care if you don't get it. Bye. Right? <laughs> totally. Well, that's the thing. And that's the problem with texting. It happens because depending on the mood that you're in, you're going to read it the way you want to read it. Even though you don't know the person's personality. Like, I mean, we all have all these crazy split personalities. Some days we haven't had coffee. We haven't worked out. I know me, my poor girlfriend, like, she's like, oh, what's he, what's he going to be like today? You know, he hasn't had coffee yet. So it's like, you know, you read these texts and, and you react and it's like, it's better to just hop on the phone or at the very least get on some sort of recording so you can hear the tone. Like, it's all good, you know? Yeah. And, yeah, no, that's that's great. The old school way works for sure. And especially in a business like this, it's like, there's just so much, even though the automation is great, it's good to do it old school and just like have a conversation with a human. You know, I love the video calls. I love to be able to just be like, hey, like we're two humans. Let's have a talk. You know, where are we at? Where Absolutely. are you at? You know, do you like me? Do I like, you know, do we like each other? No. Okay. Well, let's not work together. You know, it's totally. like, so <laughs> no, that's awesome. So, okay. Now, I always ask this and I know you touched on it a lot, but what is the number one thing that you can offer somebody listening right now, a tip to overcome adversity that they, that you have had to use, or you think is the number one thing that you can just be like, Hey, you know what, this is what I would do to overcome adversity, to go on, to become, you know, the greatest version of yourself. For sure. It, it all boils down to self limiting beliefs. But before that, like I was kind of using the analogy with the fear, right? You're either going to be fearful of staying where you're at, or you're going to be fearful of what's to come. You're better off to go to what's to come because at least you're growing and it's okay to fail, fail forward. You're okay. Um, but in order to do that, I'll do a quick little exercise that I run everybody through. Um, I call it my inner saboteur training. Awesome. Um, it's, it works really well. I get messages from people all the time. They're like, holy fuck. <laughs> and I got it from a book. I wish I, I would quote the author, but I can't remember what her name is. Uh, the book is called, uh, I can't even remember what it's called. Anyways, it'll come to me and I'll, I'll drop it in a sec. But anyways, the training is really simple. So 
basically we all know that we've got this little voice in our head. Um, like I had mentioned way earlier, the one that seen my husband driving by and I was like, that's who you're going to marry. Yeah. Um, we, <laughs> we all have that voice in our head that tells us that we can't do this or Bobby's friend, Sally down the road did this and she fell flat on her ass and that, that, that on and on and on. You have this internal conversation with yourself all the time. Now, the best thing to do exercise wise is to actually sit down and think about the things that, that this inner saboteur says to you. Like one, one for me in the summertime, I'm always like, I'd like to walk to the corner store and get ice cream with my kids. But every night I'm like, fuck it, I'll drive. You know what I mean? And so it's that inner saboteur. No, stop being a lazy ass. Go have a wonderful walk with your family. So that's one thing, right? And it could be so different for everybody. So write down what your inner saboteur does, the excuses that you make up, basically. What does your inner saboteur, what are you always constantly saying? Write them down. Write down 20. Write down 50. Write down as many as you can. Take this exercise really seriously because you're going to be able to use it in all facets of your life. Once you've written those things down and read it aloud a couple times, or even, you know, at least read it, um, even uh, internally if need be, once you read it a couple times, you can recognize when that thought comes up, right? So you immediately can place this as, oh, this is one of those excuses that she was talking about that I wrote down, okay? Now what you're going to do is you're actually going to name that excuse maker, right? That inner saboteur, you're going to name them. Now I name my Molly because I don't know any Mollies. Um, I did have, I actually named it Jackie, but I had a personal reference with a couple Jackies and it just wasn't really working for me. So anyways, uh, named it Molly. Now that's Molly's voice now. So now it's really easy to separate me, my heart of what I want to do and what I know is right and Molly's voice. So you can really um, separate those two and it makes a huge difference. So now when Molly's like, fuck it, just get in your truck and drive and then you can come back and have a glass of wine, blah, 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 right? She does that, right? And so now I'm like, Molly, thank you. I know you're trying to save me and make me comfortable. I appreciate that. I know you're looking out for me, but I'm going to walk my kids down to the store. Um, now that's a really simple one. Typically your inner saboteur is really going to fuck you up and it's coming from a place of love, right? Because your brain only knows experiences and whether that experience is something that you've done or you've taken in somebody else's experience, that's all it knows. It doesn't really know in your heart what you're capable of, right? It doesn't understand all the rest of the mechanics. Your brain is not that bright, by the way. <laughs> it's just trying to keep you safe, right? You're, those are the things that are trying to keep you safe. Exactly. So basically you're writing down, because I, I like this stuff. I just want every, I want it to be 100% clear for people. So you write down 10, 20 things that you constantly make excuses about or excuses to do. Is that what you're, you mean? Yeah, well, like, it's not even, it's not even an excuse. It's like what that's, what that says to you. Like it's the voice right. because like mine is very specific. It's yeah. very, very, oh, okay. I don't want to go to the gym today. Like, I'll argue, right? right? I don't want to go to the gym today. Well, you don't have to because you do have a sore hip. It's been sore. You could make it worse. Right. Right. It's that, it's that internal dialogue, like the actual conversation. Uh, right. Okay. Right. Not just the excuse. Yeah, but the gotcha. actual, yeah, like really dig into what that voice is saying. Uh, dig into those conversations you have on your, with yourself daily. 
Correct. Right. Because if you're in the same spot as you were, you know, and you don't want to be, it's probably because those conversations are taking over. That's yeah. super valuable. I love that. I want to use that. Like, I just wanted to, I wanted to sort of like paint the picture for people. Cause when I hear something like that, I need to hear it over again. And other, otherwise I'm like, Oh, what? So that's good. So it's kind of like understanding the conversations that you have with yourself, right? Writing them down and then take, getting, taking control of them. Basically. Totally. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, but the really, the big thing after that, after yeah. understanding that is why you need to name it because ah. you, you have to, you've got to be able to separate the two because you won't be able just to separate the two unless you actually identify it as a different, not necessarily human being, but entity of some sort. Right. So you have to name that other voice, you being the one that, you know, your heart and you're talking from your heart, that's you. The brain is the experience, right? And the, and, and so you need to dig into that. You definitely have to name it. And then you, on top of that, I used to start out with, I used to say, fuck off, Molly, I got this. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, I love it. I was doing um, a hypnotherapy session with Adrian Wesley and he started talking about this training. I'm like, dude, I do it all the time. I've done it for years. And he was like, he's like, okay, well, tell me about it. So I did. And he's like, he's like, Jessica, he's like, you can't tell your fucking mind to fuck off. He's like, that's part of you. You have to honor it and say, thank you for, for trying to protect me, but I've got this. And I'm like, oh, that's why it hasn't been working that much. Uh, <laughs> I can't wait to have Adrian on. Um, he's, he, he, that's going to be a great one as well. And I'm yeah. glad you brought that up because he's been helping a lot of, a lot of people kind of tap into that, the conversations you're having. And I just love that because sometimes you just need that simple thing to just work on, you know, because we talk about personal development and these kind of things. Sometimes people get lost and just something like that, that you broke down into like simple steps like that, to have that that voice talking to you and understand that it's not you. It is you, but it's not you. Right. And yeah, that's awesome. Jess, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on. This has been, this has been amazing. Like I hope so much value was dropped. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I adore you. Oh. I remember in Vegas, I was like, who's that guy? I've never seen him before. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh thanks so much. I no, Yeah. Vegas was cool. It's, it's been such a journey, you know, like just the whole thing. And, um, now having this podcast as well as the business and everything and just being able to share stories with the world and just, you know, just giving value, you know, and at, at a big scale. And it's just super important to me. So um, hearing people's stories like yours just inspire me more and more every day. And I just get fired up. It gets me so excited. So um, just for everybody to know, all, all the Jess's stuff will be in the show notes. So Jessica G. Boat on Facebook and then her personal page is Jessica Boat, right, Jess? Just so we're That's clear. correct, yeah. You can okay, add me Awesome. Either. And she, um, she's amazing at what she does. If you guys want some inspiration, you want to learn, you know, her marketing, all the stuff she does, follow her. She's amazing and she can give you a lot of value. So, hey, everybody, thank you so much for listening. I hope you got some value from that. Without you guys, this is impossible. So. I really, really appreciate it. If you enjoyed the episode and got value from it, go ahead and rate it, review it, hit that subscribe button. We want to get this to as many people as possible. We want this thing to grow. So go ahead, rate, review, subscribe. And I can't wait for the next episode. Thank you so much. You just finished another class at the University of Adversity. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and tune in again next time for more life lessons with Lance ECOs.